morning, if you would, turn with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 6. I've preached this text. Uh, I know at least two sermons out of this text. Um, Lord, give me this passage of Scripture this week. I needed it. Uh, So we'll look at the ark, look at Noah's life, the things that were going on in the world. We're going to see what this ark means this morning, Uh, the symbolicness of it, similarities of it. If you would look with me there in Genesis chapter 6, start a reading there in verse 3. The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God uh, came unto the daughters of men, they bare children to them, uh, them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of his thoughts, of his heart, was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. The Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beasts and the creeping things and the fowl of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We're going to do something different this morning. As your pastor, we're uh, we're going to put all the thoughts of what's going on outside, all the thoughts that we have of what tomorrow may hold, what's going on tomorrow in our lives. And at this time, we're going to have an altar call. And I want you to come forward. And regardless of what's going on in your life, regardless of what's going on outside these walls, regardless of what's going on in Walmart parking lot, Jesus Christ will be exalted at Calvary Baptist Church this morning. We're going to make this ground holy ground and then invite God to consume it tonight. We're going to, or this morning, we're going to feel the Holy Spirit move in our hearts as God's prepared our hearts to receive His Word. This morning, I ask that you come to the altar and I will lead us in a word of prayer reading over God's Word as you come and we pray that today we worship the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, first and foremost, we want to thank you for this day that's been afforded us, that we can come and we can worship. Lord, I thank you for our country today and the freedoms that we possess that gives us the right to be here in your house. Now, Lord, I want to thank you today 
for the opportunity that I have to be able to come straight to the throne of grace. Lord, I confess my sins before you. I confess everything that this flesh is. I confess, Lord, that I have failed you. I have disappointed you. I have sinned against you. And Lord, I confess that and I'm pleading the blood this morning that you'll take those sins and you'll place them as far as the east is from the west and remember them no more because of who Jesus Christ says I am. And Lord, I pray that we would be focused this morning. I pray that you would move in our midst. I pray that you would prepare this uh, place, that it would become holy ground. And if Satan tries to interrupt, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ under the blood, the authority of that, that he has no strongholds in any heart, any place in this building this morning. And I pray that you will be exalted, that you will be pleased, that heaven would come down, that you would move us back, Lord, that you would decrease us, that you could be increased. And Lord, just allow us to feel you move in our midst today. What a privilege, what an honor to be able to worship the God of all. So you take your word this morning. You use it within my heart. You stir it within my heart. You apply it to me, Lord. And it's in Jesus Christ's name I ask it. Amen. Thank you. Now, as we get back to our seats, we get back to the passage of Scripture. And I want to tell you what was going on before uh, God sent the flood. What was the world like before the flood came? What was the world uh, like? What was uh, Noah having to live in before this time, before God said enough is enough? Well, verse 4 tells us that there were, um, there were giants in the land when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men. They bare children and they became mighty men which were of old men renowned. They were mighty and renowned. Well, what were they mighty for? What were they renowned in? What were they renowned for? Well, this is what it was in verse 5. It says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. So what they were known for was they were mighty in evil. They were mighty in wickedness. Uh, they were known for their wickedness in the ways that they lived. They were known for their sin. And verse 5 says, And God saw the wickedness of man was great upon the earth, and that every imagination of his thoughts of his heart was only evil continuously. All the time. Continually the man's heart, uh, all it was focused upon was evil. Now the Hebrew word for imagination is a word for a potter that shapes clay. A potter who shapes clay. Not only were these men, not only were their hearts and their thoughts always on evil all the time, but what they were doing, they were trying to mold society to their way of thinking. They were trying to take all of mankind and put man, uh, their thinking into mankind. They wanted to make all men just like them, making sin a way of life. 
taking good and making it evil and evil things they would say are good. And I'm going to tell you, that's happening today. That goes on today. If you watch any news whatsoever, they're the biggest liars I've ever seen. They'll take the exact same situation and depend who's telling the story and you get a totally different story in it. Someone's lying. And they want to mold us into thinking, well, you know, all things don't have to be just right. All things are like this. And we see it through television. I saw a commercial on a show and the only words in the title was evil. Have you seen that? The title of the show is evil. You know what that is? What that's doing, it's using these horrible words. It's using these terrible words and it wants us to get accustomed to hearing the word evil. And you know, ain't that not that bad anymore. We hear that all the time. Evil. Yeah, you know, there's TV shows about it. It can't be really that bad. You know, we, uh, American society today, we, we use these derogatory statements and we use them so much that it takes away the filth of it. You know, Las Vegas. Sin City. Who would want to go there? Well, you know, a city's named after sin, so sin's not that bad. It's a pretty place out there. Man, you're to sit at night, how it's lit up. Mm-hmm. We try to use these words in media and television and other people are trying to use all these derogatory words and we use them enough that they lose their meaning. And see, that's what was happening here. They wanted everything, all, everyone to comply to one standard. Look at verse 8 with me if you would. But Noah found grace... In the eyes of the Lord. You see, the world was out of control. It was doing whatever it thought to be right. And I'm going to tell you what. If me and you are left to our own thoughts, if me and you are left to our own heart, you believe it will multiply sin. That's what the flesh will do. Now you may think, well, I'm above that. You're left to yourself with no guidance over you, with no authority over your life. It will lead you down a treacherous path and it will end in wickedness and evil. But you see Noah. Noah, it says, he found grace. You know, this is the first time that grace has ever been mentioned. This is the first time that grace has ever been mentioned. And you know why it is? It's because it talks about all this sin that's there. And today I am so happy when there's all this sin of me that's in the flesh. Praise God that where my sin aboundeth, that grace doth much more abound. And that's what Noah had found here. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord, not because he was good enough. No, he found grace through faith is what he found. He went away from everybody trying to comply to one thing and saying this is right and this is wrong. This is the way you should think. I'm going to tell you today, and I've said this before, and as Americans, we don't really like this statement, but I'm going to tell you what. We have no right to an opinion today. You say, well, hold up now, you're taking away my freedom. You have no right to a freedom, to, uh, an opinion today. If you're a blood-bought child of God, you are owned by Jesus Christ Himself, and God's already spoken and doesn't need your opinion on anything. That's harsh, isn't it? That's harsh. But you see, Noah found favor. Noah found grace. Then God tells us what He decided to do with this old sin Field world. Look there with me in verse 12. 
God looked upon the earth and beheld it was corrupt. For all flesh was corrupted his way upon the earth. God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. I'm going to destroy them with the earth. You see, a day of reckoning was coming. There's going to be a day that God says there's enough. Now, I'm going to tell you today, God's not waiting on it to get bad enough to rapture the church now. You've missed it if you think that'd be the case. That's not it. The case is this. Jesus Christ is waiting to save that one last soul, Brother James. And it could be here today. It could be this someone sitting in this congregation or one across town or one across the world. And it could be one little boy, one little girl, or a man or a woman that'll say yes to Jesus Christ. And God will say, son, go get my children. And Jesus Christ will split that eastern sky. The dead in Christ shall rise first and those who remain will be caught up with Him in the air. And the rapture has taken place. That's what God's waiting on right now. But you see, it became so evil that God said, I'm fixing to put a stop to it. I'm going to put a stop to it. I'm going to destroy it all. But what about those that have called out for God's grace? What about those? Are we going to be drugged into this same condemnation? So this morning, I want us to see the symbolism of the ark, the boat. And I want us to see this symbolizing how Jesus Christ is that ark. How Christ is that ark. If you look there with me in verse 14, God says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shall thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. Now, we're going to see the safety of the ark right here. Today, if you and I are going to escape the horrors of this earth, if you and I are going to ever conquer this flesh in which we live in, you and I are going to have to get safe in the ark to ever get it done. Me and you will not be able to escape it on our own authority, our own power. It's going to take something greater than us, and it's going to take God's intervention. And we see the safety in the ark today. Now he told Noah, Noah did not say, you know what, I've been looking around God and I know you're going to want me to build a boat and I found some good willow over here and I'm going to go build that boat. It's not what happened. He didn't say, well I tell you what, I've been looking around and I found some wood over here. It floats good. I don't know the name of it. But I'm going to start cutting that God and I'll build this boat. That's not what happened. You see, God says, Noah, this is what you're going to do. I'm going to tell you the kind of wood you're going to do. I'm going to tell you how many floors is going to be on it. I'm going to tell you about the wind in it. I'm going to tell you about the door in it. And then I'm going to have you pitch it the way I say that it's to be pitched. Noah didn't even have a choice in any of this. He told him, you go get this gopher wood and you start building that ark and then you're going to take pitch, which is a tar-like substance. This word translated over 70 times in the Word of God, and as the Word is used for atonement, a covering. You're going to pitch this thing. You're going to uh, make a covering over this uh, thing. So I want to get this put all together for us. The floodwaters that were coming upon this earth were the judgment of God Himself because of the sin of man. 
And God was just not going to leave Noah to himself because he had found grace uh, through God. So what he told him to do, he said, I want you to take this pitch. And this pitch is a, uh, symbolizing the atonement, the covering, the protection from the judgment of God. Now I want to tell you this. When God sealed that door on that ark, and all those animals were in there, do not let this world try to give you a depiction of what this looked like on the inside. I'm going to tell you there was no chaos going on. God's not the author of confusion. God put them in there, it's going to be tranquil. But I'm going to tell you this, Noah not one time got a foot wet anywhere in it. Not one drop of God's judgment could enter in on that because it had that atonement covering and God had placed Noah and his family under that atonement and not one drop, not one little drop of water could ever enter into that ark. You see, there's safety in the ark. But also, I see a size here in verse 15. And I wonder why he wants to give us a size. Does it really matter? Why do I have to have a size on this? And I want you to see this. Verse 15 says, And this is the, uh, the fashion which thou make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. The breadth of it, uh, 50 cubits. The height of it, 30 cubits. Over 3 billion cubic feet of space. What's that mean? We put all these animals, God has made the animals come in it, the fowl of the air, they've came into the ark, and then there's uh, Noah and his family is in this ark. And there's 300 million cubic feet of space. You know what this means to me? See, they weren't cramped in on top of each other. No, there was plenty of room. I'm going to tell you this morning. There are people in this world today that are hurting. They have uh, filled their lives and lived their lives in a sinful way following the flesh. And you could talk to them about Jesus. And it, a lot of times Satan uses against them that they don't not necessarily say, I don't want to say yes to Jesus. They say, I just can't figure out how Jesus could love me. For all that I am, and I look in my own life and I think, why would Jesus ever save me? Look at what I am, and here's the answer. There's always room at the cross for me. There's always room at the cross for those that think they can't be loved. There's always room at the cross for those that all society has put away. There's always room. Just come to the ark, and there's always room. Praise God. There's just always room. But also you read further, and we're going to look at the structure of the ark. Look there with me in verse 16. A window shall thou make to the ark, and a cubic shall thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shall thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shall thou make it. I've brought this out before as I've preached this text and it always stands out to me. And, um, any carpenter would pick up on this if they're truly looking for it. When an engineer puts a house plan together or someone starts designing a house plan, the windows is not the first thing that you talk about. You see, a door determines where windows are at. Not on this boat. Strange, isn't it? First dimension is the window. 
God designs a window first in the ark. Then he says, this is where the door will be. So actually the window's dictating where the door's at. And I want you to see this. I want you to see the uh, truth. I want you to see the uh, doctrine of this. When you read that passage of Scripture, look there in verse, chapter 7, verse 16, and I want you to see what it says there. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. You remember the passage of Scripture where Jesus says, I am the door. I am the way. If you enter in, you'll go through by God's way or no way at all. You're going to come in the God's way. You see, Noah was in control of the window. Now I want you to get this. Now this is going to go against all these Calvinists that we have sticking their heads up and drifting into pulpits in the Southern Baptist Convention today that say they've uh, been set apart, they're foreordained, they've been predestined to heaven, they have no choice in it, God's going to save them in spite of themselves, that God's just going to move in, but some are under His grace and some are not. So I'm going to refute them today because that's a lie. It's not the way it is. What's happening here is is that God says that all man will be without excuse. In this ark, there's a way that man can always see the creation of what God has done. And He gave him a window that looks straight into heaven that whosoever will shall call upon the name of the Lord and shall be saved. There's a desire that God has put in every man's heart and everywhere and every place that he must worship something, that he needs a God to be over him and there's some type of atoning need to be made. God has set that forth. So therefore, no one here... Anywhere else is without excuse. God has given us a window to heaven through Jesus Christ to be able to get there. But then God says something else. He said, I'm going to make a door. I'm not going to leave it up to you on this door. You know, that door's going to have to be sealed pretty good. Because now we're talking about hinges. We're talking about, you know, if anyone's built a door, and probably most of us could walk into our homes today and wait till that north wind starts hitting. Walk on the north end of that house and you're going to feel a draft come through a door, wouldn't you? You ever felt that? It's hard to seal that door. Well, it's not for this one. Now this one's going to be, these doors are going to be at water level. And this door's going to get sealed up and remember not one drop's going to come in them. You see, that's God's going to seal that door. God's going to control that door. Noah can look through the window, but God's going to control the door. You know, Noah was left with no choice but to just look up. Just to look up. But I want us also to see the substance on the ark. Look there in verse 21 with me. Chapter 6. And take unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Substance. Now after about 35 days, Brother David, they're not sitting in there saying, Boy, I'm sure I'm hungry. I wish I'd have packed more. No, that's not the case. I'm going to tell you, God had put a buffet line together for Noah and his family. He put something together for them that it was going to sustain them however long they was there. Now you've got to remember, Noah didn't know how long he was going to be there. 
He didn't know what, how much everything would eat. He had never loaded all these animals onto a boat and know how much he was going to eat. So see, he was totally dependent on God. So I tell you this. Not only does Jesus Christ save, but also my Christ satisfies. Because he knows all things. Today we walk around sometimes just being miserable. Sometimes we walk around with no satisfaction of life. Well, I'm going to tell you this. As Brother Jason said today, if you and I will get right with God, we'll get down and get right with God, uh, confessing our sins, turning our life over to Him. I tell you today, there is a satisfaction that it can only come by being in God's will and let God rule your life. Oh, no one found that at this buffet. But also I see a schedule of the ark. I love this, and turn with me to chapter 8 real quick, verse 4. And I want you to see, as I studied this, I found this a few years back, and I put more time in it studying, and you can. I'm not going to go into all of it, but you just uh, don't have to take my word for it. Just study it, and you'll see. Chapter 8, verse 4 says, And the ark rested in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. As I read that years ago, I thought, if you're going to tell me it's the seventh month, and it's the 17th day, surely there's something to this. I'm just not going to leave that alone. And it took me a little while to find it. And I want to share with you what it is. Let me tell you about this timeline. At this time, uh, uh, the, uh, the ark had landed on Mount Ararat. It was safe. It had withstood all of the judgment of God. It was rest on the mount of God's holiness. The seventh month of the 17th day. Do you know what date that actually is? I'm going to tell you something in coincidence today. That is the exact day that Jesus Christ come from the tomb, resurrected from the grave, and victorious, seated on the right hand of the Father today. All of God's judgment, He took the blunt of God's judgment, He took the blunt, and all the hell that I ever deserved, He come out of the grave, and today I'm victorious in it because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just as Noah was safe and sound in the ark. Praise God. But we go on further and I want us to look at the salvation through this ship. Now let me say this. God has only ever had one way of salvation regardless of what any other reprobate will tell you out of a pulpit today. I'm sure you can find you one. You want to stay home and listen to them on the TV. Regardless of whatever they say, God has only ever had one way for a sinner to come to a saving knowledge and it'll be through God's grace, through the uh, blood of Jesus Christ and He alone saves and there's no other choice in it. Don't seek any other provision for it will not work. It's not going to happen. Let me read something to you in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by... By grace are you saved through, through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His handiship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So what's that saying to us? 
Noah was saved not by building an ark. That's not how he was saved. No, Noah was saved by grace. Through faith. You see, salvation uh, is not a merit of man. It is, not, uh, it is the mercy of God. Salvation isn't a reward for righteousness, but it is a gift for the guilty today. You are not saved by good works, church attendance, ten commandments, baptism, or giving of your time or money. You say, well, preacher, I believe in a little grace and a little works. Well, let me tell you today, you're lost. You're lost. It's all grace is what it is. Noah found grace. But Noah had to accept it through faith. Had to accept it through faith. You know what made Noah build a boat? God's grace and he accepted by faith and it put him to work. Faith without works is dead. Barren trees. You know how you save by the fruit that you bear, right? You see, Noah, Noah's receiving grace through faith made him go to work. Hmm. Maybe we need to examine our lives and see how much work we're putting out. Maybe we never by true faith ever accepted God's grace. Noah built an ark from anywhere from, uh, took him 80 to 120 years to build this ark. So it wasn't just something he threw together during a mission trip for two days. It wasn't just simply going over to Honduras and dig a well. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. It wasn't simply just coming to a Sea Art mission project and spend five days of your week right here. No, he spent over 80 years serving God because he knew what God said and he took God at His Word and he just believed it and lived it. That's what he did. So I want us to look at the security in this. Look there with me in verse, or chapter 7, verse 1. The Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house unto the ark. For thee have I seen righteousness before me in this generation. Come thou. That's the same invitation that God's still given today. Come thou. Come thou. Come thou. Verse 16, I want you to see, uh, says, And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, and God had commanded him, and the Lord shut them in. Now let me say this. During this holiday season, a lot with grandchildren or children, and if you've had children, you know that during this busy time and as evil as society is right now, you better keep a hold of a youngin. Amen? And you go into a store, you go out across a parking lot, do you allow a two-year-old to grab your hand and just hold on to your finger? No. Why? He'd turn loose. What do you do? You grab a hold of their wrist. Right? Makes sense, doesn't it? Why? Because I've got to let them go now. 
They can't get distracted and let loose of my finger and take off running. No, I got a hold to them. Now, you remember, uh, we've seen it. Every one of us is experienced. We'll be dragging them across somewhere and they're steadily pulling. You ever had that happen? They're steadily pulling on you. But why couldn't they get loose? Because you had a hold to them. You see, in that passage of Scripture, it tells us there that, uh, that God commanded him and he, that God shut the door. This is the security of the believer. It's not a matter of holding on to God. No, it's a matter of being in the ark and God hold of you. See the difference in that? God put them in the ark. He closed the door. No man could open it up. Uh, God opens the door. God shuts the door. And uh, he who shuts the door, no man can open. You see, they had security in the ark. It wouldn't have mattered if Noah got in there and after about 27 days started saying, I don't know about this. I'm coming out of here. He couldn't. No, his security was based on God. Didn't matter about what his faith may have faltered, how bad the storm may have got. His faith may have faltered in that, but God had a hold of him and he couldn't lose the ark, the security in which he would be saved from. Today, if you're saved, it's not because you're good enough to get it. That may be disappointing to you. If you're saved today, it's not because of who your family says you are. Or what this world says you are. If you're saved today, it is simply because you looked into a Redeemer when you knew that there was no way that you could ever get to God the Father, that there was a separation because of the sin in your life, and you sought out a Redeemer, and by faith you accepted Jesus Christ, and you took God's grace because you knew that's exactly the way it happened. You called upon Him, asked Him to forgive you of your sins, and to save you, and to come into your life, and become Lord, take control of your life. That's how you're saved today. You can't lose it. You can't give it away. How thankful today that my salvation isn't dependent on me. How fearful I'd be. I'm thankful today that I'm in the ark. I'll never see the judgment of God that's poured out upon this earth because I'm safe in the ark and I can only look up. I'm glad today that heaven's my home not because of who I am but who Jesus says I am. How about you? Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you love us. I thank you for your grace and your mercy that's bestowed upon us. Lord, I pray that we've honored you here this morning. Pray that you have been pleased with us. Now I ask, Lord, that you apply your words to my heart. Lord, just keep me near the cross, convicting me, drawing me, moving me. It's only you can. It's in Jesus Christ's name I ask it. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone to stand with all heads.